Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for creating us, giving us life, for sustaining us. Holy Spirit, today on this Pentecost Sunday, we praise you for who you are, the one who's put faith into our hearts, the one who lives within us. Lord, help us to understand more who you are as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, especially today as we talk about you, O Holy Spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen. You know, it seems for we as um, Lutherans, you know, we, for those of us grew up Lutheran anyway, that we talk a lot about God the Father, that God created us, and I think we get that down pretty good. And we talk about Jesus, that he lived, he died, he rose through us, salvation by grace through Jesus Christ. It seems like we talk a lot about the Father, we talk a lot about the Son, but how much do we talk about the Holy Spirit? I think as I prepared for the sermon today, I really felt we need to talk more about the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes the topic of the Holy Spirit is, is confusing for us because there's mystery with, with the Holy Spirit. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we talk about God being very personal with us, a God who wants to dwell inside of us. There's a lot of confusion even out amongst the Christian world in regards to who the Holy Spirit is. And so last week I googled Holy Spirit. And I read the first two articles that came up. And I want you to um, tell me if this information here is right or not. The first one that that I brought up talked about the Holy Spirit being breath, wind, um, basically involved with the universe creation, involved with creation of the Bible, making the Bible. And then it goes on to say... By referring to God's Spirit as his hands, finger, or breath, the Bible shows that the Holy Spirit is not a person. True or false? It's false. Basically, what that article is saying is that the Holy Spirit is not part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is not a living being, just the activity of God. The next one I pulled up, actually from a fairly um, reputable Christian organization, it says this. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit entered you when you decided to give your life to Christ to become a Christian. True or false? Actually false. It's basically saying that once a person decides to be a believer, then the Holy Spirit enters them. The Bible says, and we're going to see this in a little bit, no one can say Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that puts faith into us. And so the first two articles right there, when you Google Holy Spirit, have wrong information. But yet, they're written in a way it sounds very believable. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the best, best place for us to turn to get direction is in the Word of God. And I've got to be honest with you, I could stand up here for hours sharing Scripture. But I've picked certain Scriptures to kind of share with you the activity, the work of the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, I want to start by sharing some scripture with you from the Old Testament. I need you to focus today. Okay, there's going to be a lot of scripture. going to make you, I know it's summertime, but now I want to encourage you to really focus in on what these words from God's word have to say and to realize that these very words that I'm sharing with you were inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to start at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So right from the very beginning, we see evidence of God the Father, but we also see evidence of 
the Holy Spirit. In fact, in John chapter 1, it also talks about that Jesus was involved also in the creation of the earth. In fact, later in Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make man in our image. Now, what does that mean? We're not made in the image of angels. We're made in the image of God. See, as God talks, he says, in our image, one God, we know him in three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Isaiah 9, 6, a scripture that we so often read every Christmas. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A lot of people claim that there's no evidence of the Trinity in the Old Testament. We see it very clearly here. Who is the Mighty God? He's the Everlasting Father, God the Father. He's the Prince of Peace, who is Jesus. And he's the Wonderful Counselor, who is the... Holy Spirit. So we see evidence in the Old Testament of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, we see more specifically the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Revelation, it talks about the sevenfold Spirit. We're going to see seven characteristics in this Old Testament text about the Holy Spirit. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And who is that shoot going to be? It's going to be Jesus. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of power. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of God. Seven characteristics. The spirit of the Lord, wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Joel chapter 2. This is actually um, quoted in our epistle reading for today. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon people? And what we see in the Old Testament, the spirit kind of comes and goes. But quite often when the spirit came upon somebody, what did they do? They would prophesy. We see also examples of people in the Old Testament, even the New Testament, that had dreams. Does that happen? These things do happen. When the Holy Spirit works in the lives of people, things happen that go beyond the ordinary. Supernatural things begin to happen. So there's some references from the Old Testament. I want to jump now into the New Testament. I want to start with John chapter 3, verse 34. For the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God gives the spirit without limit. The one that God sent is Jesus. And Jesus speaks the word of God. Jesus is the fulfillment of the word of God. But what it says here is in Jesus is a spirit without limit. Even though he's 100% man, he's also 100% God. And in him is a fullness of spirits. Now, for we as believers, does the Holy Spirit dwell in us? Yeah. But what happens with us? You know, we exist, this is our, our, we have a body, but our true existence is a soul inside of us. And there is flesh, and there is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. 
And there's a war going on between the flesh and the spirit. We kind of bounce back and forth, don't we? Jesus in human form was completely, 100% in control of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Father, was always at work in him to the fullness. He never sinned, never strayed, never gave in to the cravings of the flesh. The next one, Matthew 28, a section we read quite often, the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Something I want you to realize there. We all have something in common who've been baptized. We're baptized into the name, singular, of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not names. Singular is name, but yet follows three names. But we have one God, and we know him as the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's not three gods, but one God. We're going to talk more about that next week, but part of that trinity and part of God is the Holy Spirit. To John chapter 20. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The Holy Spirit's desire is to lead us to faith in Jesus Christ. And then to realize in this faith, one of the greatest gifts that we can receive is what? Forgiveness. And one of the greatest gifts that we can share is forgiveness. Acts 1.8. So the context of this, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. He's trained his 12 disciples for three years. One of them betrayed him, Judas. There's 11 left. Until 11, he says these words. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To 11 people. And guess what they did? They went out and they changed the world. 11 people. It's like if Jesus was standing right here, right now, he'd be saying, you are going to be my witnesses in Scottsdale, in Arizona, United States, and to the ends of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit is greater than we can imagine. I think sometimes that may be a little bit mind-boggling to us, maybe a little bit intimidating. But as we open our lives to let the Holy Spirit work through us more, things are going to be happening that go beyond human explanation. But so often, the ones who stop the Holy Spirit's work in our own lives, guess who that person is? Ourselves. We so often use our free will in the wrong way. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Romans 8. Romans chapter is probably considered one of the greatest chapters about the Holy Spirit. And I want to share with you a snapshot of what it says in Romans 8. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. 
the Spirit of God lives in you. I want to stop there for a second. There's a battle going on inside of us between the sinful nature and the Holy Spirit. And we bounce back and forth. And the Holy Spirit is calling upon us to surrender to him. But so often that world is pulling at us. And I want to show you something in this next section here. So we see the last word, less off, it says the Spirit of God lives in you. It goes to the next section. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit alive because of righteousness. Now, if you look carefully in that section we just read, the Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ both. What does that tell you? When the Holy Spirit's working inside of you, it's not, he's not like a separate entity. When the Holy Spirit is working inside of you, so is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus. God is working in you in his fullness. But the way he presents himself and works inside of us is through the Holy Spirit. It goes on, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. So we have this battle going on. And one of the main things we're going to learn today I want us to really catch on to and really think about is that we are a part of this process. The Holy Spirit brings us to faith. But now in this faith, we have this free will. And are we going to use our free will to follow the desires of the sinful nature or to surrender to the work of the Spirit within us? A couple more verses. 1 Corinthians 12. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. I want to stop there for a second. How do we come to faith? Not by our own power. The Holy Spirit opened up our hearts that we believe. For some of you, you believe your whole life. I wish I could say I was one of those. You know, I was baptized as an infant. I went to worship, Sunday school, um, all the way through high school. But when I was 18, I finally, and I've shared this story before, I finally came to faith in Jesus Christ. And I can remember that day. I remember this all of a sudden, it's like, I did not believe in Jesus, it didn't make sense to me. And that day, when I was listening to a devotion about that Jesus lived, died, and rose, uh, something I heard hundreds of times before, it's like all of a sudden, like a cloud lifted. And I felt a peace come over me. It was incredible. And for the first time in my life, I truly realized that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. It's not something that I did. The Holy Spirit opened that up inside of me. And I'm eternally grateful for that. Just wish I wouldn't have been so boneheaded all those years before. But the bottom line is, the Holy Spirit wants to live in us. And for those of you that have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, how does it feel? Ever have those times where you just really feel God's Spirit just working on you? And something come over you? That peace? That comfort? The joy, the excitement, it's like a glimpse of heaven. I wish I could live in that moment all the time. 
They kind of come and go, but I think sometimes the one who blocks it from being experienced ourselves. I want to read the last part of this section. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them and all men. You see, the Holy Spirit has specially equipped every one of us here. Every one of us has at least one spiritual gift. And when we work in the realm of that spiritual gift, amazing things happen. It's almost like you're an automatic pilot. Things just flow. Like in the Old Testament, they prophesy. They're, they're talking away, but the words they're saying are not their own words. Whose words are they? The words from God. You see, God wants to work through us. He wants to do amazing things through us. And that leads into this last verse here from Ephesians 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, who is over all, through all, and in all. A God who is over us. God the Father. A God who is in us. The Holy Spirit. A God who comes through us. And when the Holy Spirit works through us, who is emanating from us? Christ. And that's what God wants for his church. As we work together, we become the body of Christ. But the key is letting the Holy Spirit work through us. In our text for today, it's going to continue next week, Peter, one of the disciples, is preaching a sermon. And the Holy Spirit is preaching through him. And when he gets done preaching the sermon, guess what happens? In one day, 3,000 people were baptized. And that church grew in leaps and bounds by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in closing, I want to share, there's four words that we see in Luther's explanation of the Apostles' Creed. And it's beautiful. You look at the Apostles' Creed, the majority of the creed is about Jesus, okay? A little part about God the Father, a little part about the Holy Spirit. But yet when Luther writes, he writes the same amount for each aspect of who God is. And he says, in reference to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the church. Calls us into this faith. We're all here because the Holy Spirit led us to faith at whatever time it was in our life, and we came to faith in Jesus Christ. He calls us in his eternal faith that's more value than all the wealth this world combined. Gathers us together as his church. And there's something I'm seeing in Christianity in America which is breaking my heart. The average Christian in America today who's a member of a church worships 1.8 times a month. It's like, okay, so it's kind of like, you know, this week I'm going, this week I'm not. And I think about my folks growing up. Even when we went camping in the summer, they'd find a worship service somewhere. So when I grew up, there were, we knew we were going to worship. There was complete certainty with that. But consistency in work, worshiping, but being together, we need each other as we journey through this life. We're not meant to do this alone. Calls gathers, enlightens. For the tenth time in my life, I'm going through the Bible um, with a, you know, through the Bible type of study. I've read in different ways before, but I'm enjoying this one more than ever. And for, I want to encourage those of you that started, about 300 started, maybe some of you are starting to drift, get back into it. Have a consistent reading schedule going through the Bible. Every Saturday, there will be a Bible study that I lead in the fellowship hall going through the last week's readings. 
If you're behind, I invite you to come, but being consistently in the Word of God, and I don't know if it happens, it happens to me all the time. I've been reading the Bible for, for many, many years, and all of a sudden I'm reading a section I've read a hundred times, and the hundred first time all of a sudden, boom, something just pops out of it. God's Word's amazing. You, know, you read those words, you realize there's no way that mortal people could write these words. These are God's words, and every time we're in the Word of God, He's speaking to us. And what a privilege that is to listen to him rather than the garbage of this world. Enlightens, not just in the word, but enlightens us to see how messed up this world is. And the Holy Spirit also is calling us to make a difference in making this world better. And the last thing is sanctifies. Through Jesus Christ we're forgiven. Through Jesus Christ we are sanctified, made holy. But now, for we, as we live our lives in response to who God is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our desire should be to want to live holy lives in honor and praise to God, to follow and live by his word. Calls, gathers, enlightens, sanctifies. My friends, on this Pentecost Sunday, always, we have so much to be thankful for. And right now, let's all give thanks to the Holy Spirit for who he is, our God, the Holy Spirit, along with the Father and the Son. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for calling us in this faith. Giving us something so valuable that we so often take for granted. Thank you for gathering us together as your church. And putting people around us to help us on this journey to be in our real home, which is in heaven with you. But there's much work to do here. Thank you for enlightening us with your word and, and help us, Lord, to spend more time in your word. And help us, Lord, to, we know we're forgiven through you, Lord Jesus, but help us now to reflect our thankfulness in, in living outward lives of holiness for you. And thanks and praise for who you are. We pray this in your name. Amen.